John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 549.1S3113, certificate number 37628, Green Funerals. Although, really, green funerals, anyone could have a green funeral. Uh, Anytime you just go stand out in a park, you have a green funeral. It's green burials is really what we're talking about. Do you think we've just, we're one sentence in and you already think we've misnamed the show? Well, no, I think green funeral. What does a green funeral mean? There's tofu at the reception? Yeah, green funeral. I mean, all you have to do to have a green funeral is not sit and blow gas fumes into the air. Now, a green burial, on the other hand, is a whole different... I would consider the burial to be a very important part of the funeral. Or, well, sure. Guess, if you're getting buried. Or the disposition of the body. Should we call this green disposition of bodies? <laughs> uh, we're giving a little glimpse behind the scenes of how sometimes it's difficult to name shows. This show has a could have a lot of potential names, but I feel like Green Funeral, that's a nice, that sounds like a kinks record. <laughs> <laughs> It does. It sounds like green pastures. Yeah, green like pastures. for some reason, putting green before it really highlights the fun part of funerals. Fun. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> seem have, like a downer if you're can't having have a funeral without fun. Because we we're, we've been conditioned by corporate America to think that if something has green before it, it's good. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get that green refrigerator. Right. Um. So so it's like oh fun a green funeral. I'm going to tear down this wonderful 1890s house that's already has all the sunk carbon costs and rebuild it with a bunch of prefabricated wood, and it's going to be green. It's going to be LEED certified. It sure it, it'll will. It'll have sod on the top with native grasses. It sure will. It, w- it, will, it, will, uh, it will preserve 2% more heat because of its, because of its insulated windows. Where, whereas you are the, you're the green, uh, what? The, Re- green, the green musician. You, you buy nothing. Reduce, reuse, recycle. You, That's you, my motto. You go back to your drawers, your stainless steel drawers of things. Yeah. And you produce the thing. I buy all used things with the, with the presumption that whatever uh, environmental cost producing and distributing that thing might have incurred. Gross, uh, grocery, is, sh- grocery shopping must be rough. Uh, well, dumpster diving was a thing that I did in my in my teens and twenties. Freeganism. It's true that I do go to the grocery and buy canned chili, so it, that is newly made. And the Danishes I brought you last time were um, <laughs> they were brand new. Speaking of those, you went to Costco to buy Danishes, among other things. I went to Green Costco. Um, did you see any coffins? Oh yeah, this is my favorite thing. (laughs) When you, uh, one of the things when you walk into Costco now, where they're like, you know, you could put in Costco insulation. Sure, garage door. Why not take a a Costco vacation? Yeah, they now do have Costco caskets. Costco caskets. You have to get a six pack, which Uh is. What a storm in your garage. It really does show how committed people are to the Costco lifestyle, that they want to go, they want to take it all the way to the very end and and maybe a few days beyond. But also it reflects a problem, uh, which is that funerals are extremely expensive. And if you are, if you use a traditional sort of path uh, where you go to a funeral home and you put your loved one 
uh, in a casket intact, and then you take that casket and bury it in a burial ground. Each step along the way, you incur a great expense, and it is an upselling industry. So when you go to choose a casket, even if you go in committed to getting like an, uh, an affordable casket, you're going to find that sales is a component in in the casket purchasing period. And there's a lot of emotional appeal. Uh, to a very vulnerable customer group. Yeah, to someone who is mourning, you know, don't you want to put your loved one in the finest casket you can afford? No one actually says, well, clearly, if you want that one, you loved him half as much, ma'am. Right. But, but that's the implication. Do you want to bury beloved granddad in a pine box or would you rather um would you rather have this brass and copper sarcophagus? I never actually read The American Way of Death, you know, the the kind of the famous groundbreaking book about the awful funeral industry. Right. But it seeps so deeply into the public consciousness of it. You almost, it's like, I, don't, I never read Silent Spring either, but I know right. DDT is bad. It's right. like, we all now understand that the funeral industry is kind of awful. Yeah. The American Way of Death, which was published in 1963, uh, was a book by Jessica Mitford. And it was in the style of these expose books that we, that we have come to love. Um, not quite... Not quite in the style of like I ate McDonald's hamburgers every day for six months and died, um, but definitely one that exposed what had what up until that point was just a uh, you know an unexamined component of American life and kind of a prestigious uh, borderline sacred one. Right. Well, this is the thing. There are a lot of uh, you know religions have very clear sort of prescriptions about how to deal with the dead and. Funeral homes in America understood kind of what those rituals were and provided services that that catered to uh, to individual religions. Although not typically, funeral homes did not typically burn uh, like your dead Hindu grandfather on a pyre and then sprinkle his ashes in the Ganges. What if you slip him a twenty? Probably, <laughs> probably. But the um, you know the idea of a burial ground of a place to go and visit your dead relative and the, and and in particular the idea that their body remain intact um, for a long time there was a religious prohibition at least the Catholic Church prohibited cremation it felt like a desecration. Um, well, if you believe in a literal resurrection, right, there is a practical reason to hope that the body is intact. Intact, but I mean, good luck with that. Yikes! Yeah. You really don't want to imagine what a half-decomposed body would look like if, if God doesn't have the power to restore cremains, for example. Well, I don't know if you don't want to imagine it. It seems like a uh, like a popular, almost yes. 20% of American <laughs> media now is... is you don't uh, have to imagine it. I can't even imagine a body that stays in the cemetery like it's supposed to. I can't imagine turning on episodic television without seeing a half-decomposed body. I, at this point, I just assume that I will, at some point, come popping out of the ground with a grub coming out of one of my uh, eye sockets. That's just... Zombified that, Ken Jennings. That, that's my goal. Brains. It's a... Uh, you don't need any more brains. Oh, <laughs> you're doing fine. It's, uh, it's, it's funny because everybody, that's what everybody wants. You know, the, the climate controlled box that keeps bugs and worms out, you know, as, as if you're buying a summer house right. or, or, or putting in a, a, a tough of shed out in your backyard. Um, my wife, interestingly, is terrified by that idea. She, her scariest thing in movies is when someone who is seems to be dead then you know opens their eyes or comes to life. She has a real body horror reaction to any time a corpse is back. And so, is she against cyrogenic preservation? Do, if you said I'm Ken Jennings and I believe I will survive this insult, saw off my head and put it in a yeah, I'm gonna, put it in I'm, dry ice in Santa Fe. I'm going to reappear on a shelf next to Richard Nixon in a future <laughs> Futurama scenario. She, it goes beyond that. She doesn't even want to be in a casket. Like it seems like a, it seems like a horrifying and claustrophobic moment. Oh, because she's also claustrophobic. Does she want to be taken immediately to the crematorium? Uh, her dream has always been to decompose ASAP. You you put her on the roof and let the crows go at her. Yeah, I mean I do that now. Uh-huh. But like when she's gone, she has a similar plan. Right. Uh, because it literally seems horrifying to her, the thing that seems comforting to many people, to be in a velvet-lined 
box seems awful to her. And I think maybe I think she's not wrong. I mean, we we're, we're told, hey, this is what a classy funeral looks like, and because you've been on the outside of the box at several funerals, you just assume that's what you'd want on the inside. But I'm I'm not that way. I'm I'm Mister Give Me a Pine Box. Well, you know, this was a, a 18th and 19th century horror too, because people routinely were buried alive. You you've heard oh, the stories right. of the coffins that were fitted with little. Uh, towers with a little bell in the top that even after the even after it was six feet under the the dead person could conceivably ring a bell with a string in order to alert people up up upstairs that they had been mistakenly buried. That is what Mindy needs. Yeah, I need to get her an old patent medicine catalog, Doctor Bonner's whatever from eighteen eighty with with some contraption with a pulley. Well, because it was in response to people. You know, when they would exhume a body, sometimes they would find that the in, inside of the coffin had been clawed by the by well, someone who had regained consciousness. You don't know who it was clawed by. There's no prints. Uh, there were actually prints of the dead person <laughs> who, it's were, true. who died only, again. It's your classic locked room mystery. <laughs> you know who's leaving the claw marks in this case. Uh, this is um, so. So actually, you know, Jessica Mitford's book, American Way of Death, kind of like Silent Spring you know, ignited a consciousness, uh, which is one of the five things you can do with a consciousness. Ignite it. You can ignite it. Uh, in, in Within America that, wait a minute, the funeral industry was this kind of uh, bloated and exploitative business and that there needed to be a better way. But there was a lot of resistance to alternatives. Um, there was resistance to the idea, although, you know, Community cemeteries, backyard cemeteries were, you know, obviously like as old as time. Um, The funeral industry had become very adept at lobbying to make, you know, sort of local uh, burial or burial at sea, you know, to to regulate it because because they they were it was a it was a um, an industry lobbying organization and. and it be it 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 became and remains a thing that state legislatures, you know, a a, a a state senator can make a very impassioned speech on behalf of funeral directors, where they use colorful language to describe how uh, to deregulate this funeral industry would or you know uh, burial industry would result in grandma's remains being flushed down the toilet, and how could we? stand this indignity. And that, that kind of, um, legislation is also really supported by, still by the Catholic church, um, and, and lobbying groups of various kinds that, you know, that believe in the, or whether they believe in or are using, uh, a desire to have, uh, respect for the dead as a, as a kind of legislative ploy to keep, um, to keep in uh, an industry alive. To me, it seems like extremely low stakes. No matter what grandma and her heirs want to do with grandma, that's that should be up to grandma and her heirs. Apparently, I'm a libertarian only in in this one funerary case. Well, it's true in uh, in common law practice. Actually, um, law does not grant survivors ownership of the body, um, and this dates back to a time when. The idea of a resurrection was uh, part of, you know, British common law. Just the assumption. The assumption was that the body would be resurrected. Therefore, in death, ownership of your corporeal self did not transfer to your uh, relatives. It it remained with you. Shouldn't that, shouldn't that be true of like money as well? <laughs> hey, you're going to be resurrected, so y- you you get your estate back. I, I don't know how it is in your family, but you don't need money in heaven, Ken. Right, your grand. The Bible's very clear on this. There is no money there. Uh, you ascend just like Archie. You, so, you leave your car behind. And I guess this is um, probably borne out by the or strengthened by the fact that in most cases the heirs do not want legal rights to. To the body, you, you, unless you have some very specific or odd plan. Well, that's the thing. You don't. Uh, some people do do want ownership of the of the body of their relative because they want to go do something with it. They want to do what they want with it. Um, Make it law, into a surfboard or something. Yeah, laws are pretty. Uh, uh, the penalties for desecration of a body are pretty low, and it's because just to be clear, you're not. 
encouraging it. I'm not encouraging it, but also I think the state recognizes that like, yeah, you don't want to like drag a dead body through the streets, but at the same time, are we really going to, what are we going to do? Put a person in prison because they, uh, it did something bad with the body. Did I a mean, hilarious the, weekend of Bernie's prank <laughs> there with are, grandpa. There are there are grosser things, but uh, but also the um, you know the state has an interest in there not being dead bodies lying around. Beyond that, um, yeah, but yeah. So I assume there's there's a disease, there's an epidemiological component. There is, and and this is one of the examples of a thing that at least in the United States really varies from state to state. The laws are very different in Georgia than they are in Washington. And it's, um, you know, this is why, this is what makes the United States such a marvelous place because uh, the rules about what you can can and cannot do with the dead body are reserved to the states. Does the, do, does the spectrum tend to vary with perceived religiosity of the state, would you say? No, in fact. It tends to be much more... Um, uh, you know, much more related to how active the funeral directors of that state were, <laughs> but also a kind of, uh, there's a sort of squeamishness. A lot of states have no prohibition about burying um, your relative on private property uh, in a family cemetery. You can, in some places, take grandma home and bury her in the backyard. Probably because in a lot of cases, those got quite literally grandfathered in. Like right. th- those kinds of backyard cemeteries exist and probably predate most of the community ones. I found one just the other day. I was out riding uh, my motorcycle out in the the hinterlands here and pulled over to, and I'm, by hinterlands, I mean just right over there in Black Diamond, you know, over a right. sort of like just up up from Renton, pulled over to go pee in a bush and uh, and then sort of peered through the bush and was like, "What's back there?" And I went and I found a um, a family cemetery that was actually still being tended. Uh, the grass, you know, it was in a copse of trees. The grass was mown, and there were flowers on on recent graves. But the but the older ones went back to the 19th century, and that's that was in not a suburban neighborhood, but but not far from yeah, suburban exurban. I'm looking at, by the way, I'm looking at the punishment for uh, messing around with human remains in the state of Washington. Removal or concealment of a body is a uh, misdemeanor. Yeah. So right. that's so that's that's not really a problem. No, you're not going to go. You're not going to spend like a month in the in the pokey. And that appears to be the only related crime. Desecration is not a separate crime. But in Washington, in Washington State, you cannot bury a body outside of an authorized cemetery. Oh, so you cannot take grandma home and bury her in your backyard. Your backyard is not very big. I would not recommend burying any grandmas there. I could put her in the hot tub. You could. And we'll get to that. Or the herb garden. <laughs> um, in Washington State, and, oh, and in Europe, uh, Laws vary as well. There are, um, there is obviously a, a, a long tradition of burying people in in wooded ground in local cemeteries in local ground, and the various, you know, the varying religiosity of places um, also sort of dictates how bodies are cared for. And then globally, there are an infinite number of of traditions of like disposal of bodies. And some of them are ancient and still practiced. A lot of them are, are green. Many um, are dictated by geography, right? right? Like, um, like I know in Europe where cemeteries are full, you essentially get a lease, right? You, uh-huh. you, you get to be buried for 90 years. And then the assumption is, look, nobody was visiting you after the first month anyway, right. S- Sydney. Move along. And then, yeah, they, somebody else comes in on top of you. Here in, uh, here in the United States, sometimes your cemetery gets turned into a swimming pool and then Drew Barrymore gets sucked into a television. <laughs> that does happen a lot. It wasn't Drew Barrymore, but it was a, it was a blonde girl of the same era. Sure, so, sure. I don't. I can't tell them all apart. All those little blonde girls. All those early look, blonde '80s girls had a little bit of Drew Barrymore soul in them. <laughs> it wasn't Drew Barrymore. After she killed the rest of them. no, it was a uh, little Heather O'Rourke from Happy Days. What? Oh, was it? Wow. Who? What was the one with Drew Barrymore? Firestarter. Oh, and or ET. I ain't no Firestarter. I'm fierce. <laughs> That's what I hear on, on this program. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in. Um, 
in Washington State, in response to the the um, the publishing, or you know, or concurrently with the publishing of American Way of Death, the first American funeral co-op, mm-hmm. uh, the People's Memorial Association, was founded, and it remains the largest uh, American funeral cooperative. There are other cooperative. There's a there's a very large cooperative in the UK co-op. Um, meaning that the that the funeral services, the cremation services, and the whole process of uh, of you know dealing with the remains of yourself or your loved ones is handled by a nonprofit or or a you know a, an organization that's not trying to generate a profit, and so they seek to kind of put together you know a respectful but also uh, affordable and. Uh, I guess, unprecious way of dealing with your loved one. Or you can go to Costco. You can go to Costco. and it's, So wait, this bypasses the whole mortuary industry, basically? You, you, it does. If you use these alternative, essentially nonprofit co-op homes? It does. And in fact, uh, my parents joined the People's Memorial Association in 1963 because that was a common year to, to join things with Peoples in the name. It was it was Peoples Mutual uh, Savings Company. My dad actually started a bank during that period, and it was called what was it? It was the um yeah it was your dad started a bank. My dad started more than one bank. It was the freewheeling sixties. Some people were having sex and wearing uh, bell bottoms. My dad Some was people starting banks. four banks. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was not a very good business person, so he started some banks, but he also lost control of some banks to uh, what, uh, who he described as unscrupulous men, but who were just, in fact, bankers instead of being who, whatever my dad was. Uh, well-meaning. Somebody uh, was like, I'm going to start a bank and loan money to farmers. I don't even think that's a thing, to be a bank entrepreneur. I'm going to well, start a bank. It was then. I, you know, he was an idealist and a leftist, so he believed he could start a better bank. People's bank. But he didn't realize that banks are for-profit enterprises. <laughs> banks are surprisingly tricky. That's, Any, that's what we learned from this story. Anyway, they, he, he and my mother did join People's Memorial Association, which was a thing I didn't know until he died. And when he died, I was, um, you know, my older brother's and sister are yeah were were functionally useless at that point and my mom had been divorced from my dad at 40 years before so she was like this isn't my problem you deal with your dad and my sister went on a round the world trip 2 weeks after my dad died no 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 before we had the funeral he died she gave me a high five and then uh, and then left uh, the country for a year so i was Kind of standing there holding my dad in a shroud. She didn't do it to avoid the no it had funerary been, responsibilities. It had been planned, yeah. but you know she didn't postpone it either. Yeah. Uh, and in going through his papers, I found this uh, this document uh, from the People's Memorial Association, and because it was my dad, it was right in between uh, like a menu for a takeout pizza place. His uh, World War II flight log and uh, like an electrical bill from 1992. But there it was, and I opened it up, opened this pamphlet up that dated to the 60s, and it said that he had paid the $50 fee, and that was all that it took to join the People's Memorial Association. And so I looked them up. They still existed. I went down to their office. They had just started, just that year, started the People's Memorial, like, um, funeral home. Uh, they were thriving. And uh, I went and sat and they were like, yeah, we'll handle all this for your $50. And what, you know, I had to pay some money for various things, but they, um, they handled my dad's cremation without any fuss or muss. Obviously nobody tried to sell me anything. You picked a great funeral to, to try to plan. I mean, it- yeah, you, you really lucked out. So I basically had a, I had a uh, like a memorial service for him at the Washington Athletic Club, and then they handed me an urn, which I promptly put under my piano, and it's. Although I left my piano when I moved into. Yeah, yeah. Did you bring the urn? My storage space. It's, it's not, I, I have the urn. It's not still under the piano in no, your old house. No, no, okay. no. It's uh, it's around here somewhere. I mean, literally, my and and you I seem a little unclear on where exactly he is. I would feel bad about having my dad's ashes under the piano for 10 years. 
except when I was a kid in my dad's office, and I, 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 I'm not giving anything away here because everyone involved in this process was, is dead now. Um, but my dad grew up, uh, as a close friend of Scoop Jackson, mm-hmm. former Washington state Senator. Um, and, uh, the two of them were like homeboys and Scoop Jackson's mother died and wanted to have her ashes scattered over Mount Susitna in Alaska. And so my dad was charged with this task and her, an urn with Scoop Jackson's mother's ashes were delivered unto my dad and he put them in a credenza behind his desk in the office with the intention of going next time I'm at Mount Susitna, next time we fly over Mount Susitna, which we did all the time, (laughs) but he never remembered to get her ashes. And the plan was we would fly over Mount Susitna. I would open the door in in our airplane and, and scatter her ashes, which would have been, I think a really messy and Weird thing to ask a twelve-year-old to do. Hold your breath. So he never did it, and his and her ashes sat in his credenza for most of my childhood. Did he tell Senator Jackson that I, I'm, I'm going to get to it one of these days? He or? never did. And and Scoop died in 1983, and in 1983, his mother's ashes were still in my dad's credenza. <laughs> so anyway, keeping my my own father's ashes under the piano uh, did not feel like it karma. was. Did your dad have a place? You've told me this. If I can't remember, did your dad have a place he wanted his remains scattered? So my dad was one of these, let's divide my remains around the world. He wanted some of his remains in the Lakeview Cemetery here where his, his mother and grandfather and grandmother are all buried. Easy enough. Um, just mere steps from Bruce Lee. Uh, and we, I did bury some of his ashes there. He also wanted some of his ashes under the holly tree in Volunteer Park, where I learned he scattered his grandfather's ashes in 1926. Well, that's 10 minutes from Lakeview Cemetery. That should be easy it's enough. It's just right over there. It's right by the waiting pool. Yeah. There's a holly tree over to the right there that was right across the street from the house that my dad grew up in. And they went across the street in the middle of the night and dumped granddad's ashes under the holly tree. My uncle Jack also wants his ashes under this freaking holly tree. And I'm just, and it's still alive. This holly tree is a hundred years old. It's still there. It's giant. Also, holly is an invasive species in Washington. Well, they'll leave it alone though, if it's that big. Yeah. Seattle tourists don't miss the holly tree near the, near the waiting pool in Volunteer Park where all the Rodericks are, uh, are scattered. Also, he wants me to row out into the middle of Lake Washington and dump some of his ashes there where he was, because he was a member of the 1941 Washington crew. So there's a place where the crew team yeah. turned around or whatever. He wants some ashes there. And then at one point, my sister got him to agree that he wanted some of his ashes sprinkled at the top of Mount Alieska. And I was like, why did you do that? Wow. Why, why plant it in his head? Now I got to go up there. Anyway. So cremation is more common than it was t- today. It's more common than it was in our parents' or grandparents' generation, right? Like America is kind of slowly accepting alternatives to resurrectable buried bodies only in 2016 did cremation surpass burial as the preferred method for americans and it's only 54 percent are buried i'm surprised that it's surpassed i i would have assumed it was still 60 40 burial i think that the decline in religiosity and also the expense and hullabaloo of bury and you know we're running out of cemetery room yeah. there are there are states that have prohibited the uh construction of new cemeteries so s- cremation is is fast becoming kind of um in some cases the only option well burial i guess what it gives you is the illusion of permanence yeah you could scatter the cremains anywhere and that could be a place where the family could gather if you pick someplace convenient if you pick someplace in volunteer park and not 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 uh, mount susitna or whatever right um but a, a judiciously chosen place could give you a place to visit and, and think back on the loved one but there's nothing there there's you know it, it, the what it's what it really reminds you is that that person left and the world moved on and nothing changed yeah because the holly tree is is still there the same whereas a marker gives you it's a symbol that, that the person left an imprint on the world yeah the little stone 
But you really can put a stone anywhere, too. I mean, there's no law prohibiting a stone in your backyard. Um, when my dog, when our um, golden retriever died, um, we we did not want the uh, body back for disposal because it seemed like a hassle and we had two little kids, like I said, a, a traumatic hassle. Sure. Because the dog weighed 110 pounds. Yeah, big dog. Um, and so we finally ended up, you know, we had the, the vet clinic dispose of the body and whatever, I'm sure awful awful mass grave that they use. Um, and then we told the kids, they Hey, shoot we're it gonna... out of a cannon. <laughs> exactly. As per our request, <laughs> they shoot it at neighborhood cats. Uh, we told our daughter, she could bury some of his things in the backyard. So there's a grave in the backyard of our old house that still has a collar and a shredded his up necklace. chew toy and a yeah. rawhide <laughs> right. bone or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, you, you, exactly. You could leave something there that wasn't the physical body. Well, actually, pets are a big part of the funeral industry because... Especially pe- today, people having fewer kids. Fewer kids and more pets. And, more and, dogs. and also imbuing their pets with all this significance. I think when my mom was a kid, if your dog died, you put it in the ditch. Or ate it. Or, well, hopefully not ate it, but, you know, fed it to the pigs. It was tough times. Not fed it to the pigs. Come on. They weren't animals. <laughs> But people now really uh, want to, you know, want to bury their pet or do something special with the pet or the pet's ashes for the love of goodness. This guy used to wear a sweater on cold days. Yeah. That makes him part of the family. That's right. My pet used to push me off my own pillow and I (laughs) acquiesced because I was (laughs) the smaller dog in our pack. Uh, And now I want to commemorate the dog. So, but, but pet... Uh, disposal, let's call it. It's also lucrative, by the way. You go through more pets than yeah. than human relatives because they have shorter lifespan. Unless your pet's a tortoise or a parrot, and maybe even more than with living humans, people have uh, have put so much emotional uh, significance into their pets that you can really exploit people. Are you going to put Rover in a in a pine box? Doesn't Rover deserve? Look at these co- uh, copper and brass fittings. That's right. But some of the technologies uh, that we would not generally maybe experiment with on grandma, we are maybe more willing to experiment with on animals. And it started because there are a lot of dead animals that don't get used for food that need to be disposed of in the world. And a lot of them, a lot of them are big animals, like livestock that is af- affected with bovine encephalitis, mm-hmm. um, but also animals that are used in experiments, just animals that die uh, as part of university programs. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of animals and aminals um, where something needs to, you, you, you can't really have a horse cemetery. It'll fill up really fast. And, Cremating horses is obviously an option, but people have been seeking better options for disposing of animal carcasses and have increasingly pioneered uh, these new forms of green disposal of bodies, particularly composting. Composting a body. Uh, Composting bodies and then a, a, a technology called aquamation which is like cremation except with aqua it turns you into water it, you play barbie girl by aqua what what is aquamation so aquamation is essentially um pressure cooking a body you put a body into a into a tank you add potash um and then seal it and cook the body at 300 degrees under pressure. And in a very short amount of time, a matter of hours, um, the flesh of the body is liquefied. And all that remains are the bones, which are in a kind of soft state. Effectively, just like what a cremation would leave behind. ashy bones, which, you know, when they dry, you're able to just kind of break up and it forms the same ash that you would get. So you're not hoping to get goop. Whatever you get, you're going to dry it out and get essentially cremains. So 
aquamation is a new technology that um, that yeah. has only recently been it's begun to be approved uh, in the United States. Because when just serial killers were doing that, it was very taboo. Of You're course. not supposed to do it in the basement of your house. You're not supposed to dress like a clown when you do it. <laughs> uh, this is a new kind of uh, a new science, and it's been you know aquamation started as a way of of uh, of dealing with animal carcasses and has very, very gradually made it into uh, not anything close to the mainstream, but it's a thing that is still very contentiously uh, uh, argued about. The Catholic church rejects aquamation as an option. The state of New Hampshire, uh, it was legal. Then it was made illegal famously. And then a, uh, Legislation was proposed to make it legal again, and that legislation failed recently. There were very impassioned speeches about flushing grandma's remains, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all funeral lobbyists? I mean, what, what other principled reason would there be? Funeral lobbyists, yeah. yeah. And and religious objections because it seems like a less dignified way than burning, although it's an incredibly less – uh, polluting way. It doesn't produce any greenhouse gases and the amount of energy required is a fraction of the energy required to burn, you know, to burn right. a body. It requires like effectively the same amount of gasoline that you would burn if you drove a car a thousand miles. Really? Yeah. So that I mean, proves that heaven is more than a thousand miles away. It is. It's two tanks of gas away, <laughs> at least two tanks of uh, two tanks of gas in a very efficient car. By the way, Catholic, uh, the Catholic Church in um, in 2016 has come around on cremation. Did you know this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They finally felt like that was that was a respectful enough way to dispose of a body. But aquamation, no. I mean, they they still say you have to you can't you can't be scattered in the Bay of Naples. You have to be in a niche in a cemetery or something. Right. Um, but aquamation, still no. It, it just shows that it you know it's got it now has the veneer of cultural respectability. So it doesn't seem like a bridge too far. And so as soon as aquamation hits that point in secular culture, maybe maybe religion comes around. Well, one of the problems is that the the fluid remains, how do you dispose of it in a way that is um respectful? And one of the things that you that we never talk about is what happens when the body when a body is embalmed what happens to the blood that, and stuff that was already there? Sure. So funeral homes are already getting rid of medical waste. It just goes right down into the sewers in most cases huh. and is just sort of processed along with all other effluent. Um, with aquamation, you, you have a, uh, you know, a, a, a body of liquid, uh, many, 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 many gallons of liquid. I already have a body of liquid. You do. I, I just haven't aquamated it. It hasn't been, uh, it hasn't, you know, turned into like a couple of barrels. I haven't turned it into that goop that surrounds Vienna sausages yet, <laughs> but I might. Like, it's my body, my choice. It, um, it can be, you know, it comes out and because it's, because potash is used as part of the process, you know, it can come out as kind of a base, but you can, you can chemically treat it so that it's neutral and presumably could use it to fertilize a fertilized farmland. I mean, and that shouldn't horrify us, right? It shouldn't. Like that's what composting is ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? We assume that, uh, the worms get us and the circle of life continues. Well, composting is so, so, uh, aquamation is still, a developing technology. It uh, it was recently, uh, it, as recently as this year, legalized in Washington State by Jay Inslee. But the facilities aren't really up and running. Uh, you can have your pet aquamated, but uh, human scale aquamation is sort of on the very very near horizon. Now composting human bodies. Also was just legalized here in Washington in this uh, this same year. Um, there's a woman by the name of uh, Katrina Spade, who has started a uh, a thing called the uh, the Urban Death Project, and she has invented developed a human composting silo, 
where you can take your loved one up a ramp and deposit their body on a bed of wood chips. And then you and your relatives can sing Kumbaya or, uh, or play a game of ultimate Frisbee up there to commemorate their death, cover them with a layer of wood chips. And then over the course of four to six weeks, their body will gradually sink down through the silo with another body then put on top and a body underneath them. You don't get your own silo. You don't get your own silo. And then you would just, your body would just decay along with the wood chips down the length of this silo. And by the end of a few months, a couple of months, not even a month and a half, at the bottom is produced a loamy soil, which you then, I guess, come back six weeks later and can take a couple of scoops and, of. And put on your rhododendrons or your strawberries. Right, or put it in an urn or whatever you want to do. Sniff and, it. And then the rest, of the, the rest of the compost then would get used as compost. Um, and this project, this new technology, is, of course, being promoted as not just an ecological uh, ecologically superior way of dealing with human bodies, but as a eco spiritual process. Um, the idea of demystifying death of thinking of our bodies as part of the Gaia cycle. I just don't want to have the service in a silo. Does it have to be a silo, John? It has to be a thing that has a, that you go in at the top and you come out at the bottom. So you, it doesn't have to be called a silo. You could call it a, a death elevator. How about a death evader? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or a elevator if you were bad. Right, a decompivator. I mean, the body is the, the body is sinking down toward Gehenna. So yeah. if you know, if you're of a religious frame of mind, maybe that's not the metaphor you want. No, uh, as the body goes down, the soul goes up. In uh, in Six Feet Under, there was a. Do you ever watch the TV show Six Feet Under about the funeral industry? No, I don't have a TV. People kept dying on this show. Yeah, I bet. Uh, or, or otherwise, no show. And at one point, a character buries a loved one privately, a breaking California state law, just kind of on private land, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and plants a tree. And yes. I've always thought that would be a lovely alternative to just becoming part of somebody's, what sounds like a real conveyor belt of a silo. No offense to, to Christina or whatever her name was. Like, I, I would like the idea of just, I don't have to be in a box. I wouldn't mind just being in the ground and uh, up comes a tree, because this satisfies my... Uh, you know, leave an imprint requirement. People have something to visit that's not a kind of a tacky slab of granite subject to the the font vicissitudes of the time. Well, but, there, uh, there is a company that is tailor-made for Ken Jennings. <gasps> Tell me more. Called The Living Urn. Are we doing an ad read right now? <laughs> we, uh, we're going to do uh, some ad reads for some cool products right now. The Living Urn requires that you be cremated by normal cremation processes. Okay. Uh, but then your ashes are uh, intermingled with a biodeg- in, or I guess they're in a biodegradable urn in which a tree of your choice, a sapling of your choice is planted. And then you take the urn complete with your ashes out and plant it in a field and your ashes become the, the, the loam in which the sapling grows. So it's not just dumping your ashes at the foot of the holly tree in Volunteer Park. It is literally the the soil in which the tree roots. Oh, I'm into this. Yeah. And let me tell you why. I'm kind of a restless person. I like to get things done. And part of the problem with death for me is just envisioning just lying around sure. all day. But this tree would be going for it. I, it would be a t- it would be like uh, someplace in, in which I could pour my... I would have accomplished something. You know, yeah. every day I've got something to work on, which is making sure my remains, decomposing remains, power the growth of this new tree. Yeah. And in fact, others would be able to see how the tree is doing and think, good job, Ken. Hey, Ken, look how healthy your tree is. Attic boy. Yeah, you woke up in the morning, you had a checklist. It was mostly root formation, <laughs> uh, but you're doing it. You're doing that job. And then you could it could be a fruit tree. You could be eating like Ken apples. It really would produce something that people could visit and enjoy. Everyone likes a tree. Trees are non-controversial. Like me, universally beloved. Yeah, non-controversial. And also hard at work and uh, arguably beautiful. This is very on brand for me. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it, you, could, you could sort of weirdly trim the top 
And yeah. it would, you it could would even more resemble it, you. You could topiary <laughs> it into a human head like the giant styrofoam head of me. You could coppice it and make <gasps> bastics out of it, oh, and wow. then you would put all your dirty clothes in a Ken Jennings bastic. That, this sounds amazing. Yeah. So that's one option. Uh, there's a company called Eternal Reefs, which will take your... You're trying to upsell me now. <laughs> which now will, you're the undertaker. Here we go. Which will take your cremains... And incorporate them into a giant concrete reef ball, which it then deposits in the ocean as a component of an artificial reef. Here's my here's my issue with this, John. Yes. Like if I'm in the tree, yes. I, I feel like at least I know that my um you know, the carbon and the other elements of my body are actually helping produce something. The concrete reef ball didn't need me. The, uh, the coral would do just as well on a big round concrete thing, whether or not it has little dots of Ken Jennings in it. Yes, that's right. But but little dots of Ken Jennings could, you know, you're there as a as part of the reef ball, and you're I don't know. I, it depends if you're if you think that you're there observing the fish. If you're just, part of the, I just don't feel needed. Okay, well here are some other options. Uh, a couple of companies, um, and there are more than one of these. I'm only going to mention two, but uh, a company called Life Gem or Eterniva, Eterniva, either one of these, either one of these companies. Sounds like some QVC uh, stuff. It is. I think Eterniva was on Shark Tank. Oh, is that right? But they will take your cremains and make diamonds out of them. <gasps> this is what Mindy wants. Yes. Well, I mean, she she likes the tree idea, but she really got into the diamond thing when she heard about well, it. Well, and to make a one carat diamond out of Mindy will cost you sixteen thousand dollars. Is that that's considerably. More than I would pay just to buy a one-carat diamond, right? I Well, I don't know what one-carat diamonds are going for now. But this is an artificial diamond, but a, but they can make it really nice, and you could wear it. I can't picture you with a pinky <laughs> ring with a giant diamond with your wife in it. Well, that's but, because you can't picture me after Mindy Mindy's premature death and my crocodile tears as I kiss my little pinky ring. That's right. Oh, is uh, It's definitely an uh, incentive for just massive weight gain. Because you'd be a much bigger diamond. Well, no. Uh, weirdly, both of those companies, you can choose the size of the diamond. What? So apparently, your the material of your remains does not determine the size of the diamond. Or as as uh, Metallica would say, your death style, <laughs> your lifestyle does not dictate your death style <laughs> in this case. Now I think it's a scam. There's no way you can choose what size of diamond I you become. I think that they throw extra stuff in there. Yeah. I don't know, extra concrete. Um, there is recently a, a woman or a, a, a person named J. Rim Lee uh, who goes by the initials J.R. Mm-hmm. Um, they put together what uh, they're calling an infinity suit. Uh, their company is called Coeo, Coeo, Coeo. Coeo, I think. Coeo. Let's, uh, let's say it's Coeo. And this is a, the infinity suit is a burial suit that uh, is basically a mushroom, uh, like. Uh, oh, it's got spores in it? It's sort of a, a like a, a little mushroom, mushroom media. Mm. And you, it, you wrap yourself in this suit and then mushrooms take care of you. Uh, take care of your body. I would have to get used to that idea because you have to. You have to. In this case, you have to imagine the intermediate state, which yeah. is not true of a lot of the others. Right. And a lot of the others, you're just ash or slime like that. You're cremated in the normal way, right. using two tanks of gasoline and putting all the uh, the uh, greenhouse gases in the air, which is not super green. Uh, Infinity suit just takes you, wraps you basically in a shawl, and you go right into the dirt. And then you make suddenly your chanterelles mushrooms. Now I don't know if they're edible mushrooms. If they were, I would like to be psychedelic mushrooms. I think it might depend on the person. If, uh, if, if you do this to Keith Richards, <laughs> you're going to get. If you buried me and it just made a big patch of blue caps that just came up every season, and and hippies came, and well, no, I don't want hippies around me. What if uh, what if it, I started a cult where normals, non hippies, took psychedelic mushrooms just as a way of celebrating me? At my grave, I could get into that. That's just weird enough. If all their visions are about you, this definitely proves something about the, the Gaia hypothesis. Right, right. Taking I, these mushrooms and like, oh, did I take too much? Oh, no. I'm sure moderate. I would just be like boring grocery store button mushrooms. <laughs> I would just be a salad bar. Just like chopped up like uh, Ostrom's mushrooms. Yeah, like Domino's is about to sprinkle me on top of something. One of the weirdest and potentially uh, worst adjacent uh, things – Locally here, there 
uh, there was, is an artist by the name of Charles Kraft, who was uh, an artist that worked across a variety of media and at one point went and learned the techniques of creating bone china. He discovered the old formula of uh, that was used by the Spode company to create like the oh yeah bone china has actual bone in bone it, right? china has uh, has cow bones in it animal bones which creates that kind of translucence uh that uh, that makes bone china different from other pottery and that became all the rage in uh in england throughout the and then bone china spread around the world charles craft learned the trade and began making uh under his uh via delirium uh, moniker began making offering the service of making China out of the ashes of your dead relative. So again, you would take your um, you would take your cremains to Charles Craft, and he would make pottery, Delft style blue painted pottery. But he would paint a picture of your relative on the pitcher or the plate made out of their ashes. I feel like there's a time and place to remember the physical, the corporeal being of a lost loved one. And maybe a bowl of Chex Mix or a pitcher of lemonade is not the time. Well, Charles Kraft, uh, unfortunately, in recent years, so for a long time, Charles Kraft was making also very controversial art out of China. He made a a life-size replica of an AK-47. He would make hand grenades out of China and paint them with blue Delft. He made a teapot that looked like Adolf Hitler. Oh, have Um, we talked about him on the show? I think we might have. He may have come up because... No, I've seen his work somewhere. You have. It it, it, it took the art world by storm. But as time went on, uh, he became... You know, he he made public pronouncements that seemed like they were art. Uh, now, now I know why I've heard of this Art guy. happenings, like, oh, he's being artistic what a, and What weird. a provocateur to talk about the Nazis. What a provocateur, right. And his art was was acclaimed and it hung in, in mansions and was in art galleries, featured in all the art magazines. But little by little, his provocative comments started to seem like Nazi apologia and when confronted, it be it became clear that he is actually a Nazi apologist. It's the Occam's razor of saying a bunch of Nazi things. Right, you might actually be a Nazi. There are there still are a very small group of Charles Kraft apologists who believe that the entire thing is an art stunt because he is art stunty. But I followed him on Facebook for a long time. And I cannot discern any artistic motive. He's just a Nazi apologist. And is he still putting putting human remains in uh, in, in tableware? The art community has rejected Charles Craft, oh. and there is not much market for his work anymore. Um, and what's what's hilarious is that 10, 15 years ago, I would go into hipster houses all over the region. And there would always be a Charles Craft hand grenade or some other, you know, cool hipster plate that had a picture of of some serial killer on it. And all that artwork has gone. And I don't know whether it's in a drawer somewhere. People are waiting for it to be valuable again or whether it all went on the compost pile. I cannot say. So I've given my opinions on a lot of these methods of disposing of bodies. Yeah. Do you have plans? Like what? what are, what's your preferred... Where would you like your corporeal remains to go besides into magic mushrooms? Well, what's funny is at a recent event, um, when when uh, my band, uh, the Western State Hurricanes, got back together and played uh, a couple of shows here recently, there was a meetup of, um, of people prior who had come pr- prior to the shows who had come from far and wide to see the shows people flew in you know it was a it was kind of a community building event and one of those people approached me and um revealed that she sits on the board of the people's memorial association no and i don't know how it came up in conversation but i said uh, you know my family are members at which point she suggested that i join the board so i am uh, I am 
sort of considering whether or not to be on the board of directors of the People's Memorial Association. Boy, when you do a podcast on a subject, you really commit. <laughs> you're you're going to join the alternative funeral industry. I'm glad you didn't do this for cow magnets. No, well, that's right. Or uh, or what? Defenestration, even. But um, but I have not given any thought. My mother has very clear feelings about her about her remains, which I will not reveal because she still is alive and she's also a, a real eccentric. Um, but uh, throughout the course of my life, she has she has many many times threatened to go out on an ice flow. And I'm like, Mom, there aren't that many ice flows anymore. That was a thing when we were young. Global warming is making that increasingly <laughs> unlikely. We Mom. would have to helicopter you out to an ice flow. But you know, in Alaska, that was a thing. Like, I'm just going to walk out on the ice. I do like that. I do like that uh, crusty old person that does not want to be a burden. Yeah, great, and, qual- great quality. And that's that's her for sure. Um, but you know, she's a member of the People's Memorial. Yeah, she's all set. I have not given any thought to it because, like most of the men in my family, I do not believe that I will die. I believe that I am somehow immune to it. Let me let me uh, walk you through this, though, John. Most of the men in your family, I believe, have been wrong on this point. They are uh, most of them dead. So, including just recently, my brother. Uh, so I don't know what I, I haven't really thought about it, but I imagine that I <laughs> composting me still seems a little bit ahead of where I um, where I am uh, emotionally because of the commingling. I'm not sure I want to be commingled with someone above me and below me that I didn't know. Yeah, you don't want a roommate, but I'm not in, but the, I, in the silo. I don't know why. I don't know why I feel that feel that way. Um, I, if I were to be aquamated, I would like the fluid, uh, to be used for something and not just sent into the sewer. That's, that offends me. Um, I don't know what the use would be though. Well, just as fertilizer, just spread it on a field or skin cream. I mean, I I bet you're very moisturizing. Spread it on a field. Oh, that's right. It could, I could be, uh, it could, it could be like a fight club thing and I could be used as a Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow could be marketing you as, uh. As uh, skin cream. It would literally be goop. And that concludes Green Funerals. Entry 549.1S3113. Certificate number 37628. In the omnibus. Listeners, if you're less interested in composting and aquaposting than in posting, uh, <laughs> social media was huge in our era. We were at Omnibus Project on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I am at I am currently at Ken Jennings on Twitter. John, Even now, as we speak, John, I'm tweeting right now. I was at John. Uh, I was not at John Roderick, but John, would you like me to take over your uh, your feed? Do you think it could be one of those celebrity things where for uh, where you take over my feed, but you just do it from now on? <laughs> <laughs> that would be called identity theft. Ken Jennings tweeting as John Roderick. Whatever happened to those days where somebody would, with much acclaim, take over the uh, Twitter feed of some institution or brand? That used to be huge. I feel like it still is a thing. It's just with lesser and lesser famous people. Mm. I feel like I saw Allison Gertz take over somebody's Twitter feed for a while, and it was like, well, I don't know. Aren't if that... you guys equally Twitter famous? Well, oh, well, people God, used to yeah, take man. over. People used to take over Sweden. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, right. For a day. Yeah, you could, yeah. Take over Sweden for a day. I mean, that's kind of been one of my military strategies, but it wasn't just for a day. Well, Sweden's doing well enough that they can only they can give up their Twitter feed. Other countries, maybe they could have somebody just take over the whole country for I, a day. I feel know? like if I would, Malta's having a rough quarter, take over Malta for the day. Make the make the army dance around naked. Do whatever you want. I would happily take over Latvia. Really? I feel like Latvia has plans for it. Latvia is a pretty good country, and it's underused right now. I think Latvia is not going to ask you for a blurb if what you say is Latvia is a pretty good country. No, no, they're they're <laughs> like a. They're, I think Latvia. You know, Lithuania gets a lot of press because it used to be part of Poland, and uh, Estonia gets all this press because it's basically it's East bas- Finland. Now, it's right? basically like cheaper Finland. Yeah. Uh, but Latvia is right there in the middle, and I feel like both Estonia and Lithuania kind of dump on Latvia. It's the middle child. It is. It's the uh, it's the Jan Brady of the Baltics. But let me tell you, Riga is the place. Riga is the city with the with the titty. Riga's happening. Yeah, it really is. And I've been, well, you know, there's a lot going on in in Latvia that's just getting. Uh, that's why they call know. it Latvia, just because because it's, it's a, a there's, lot, a there's a Latvia lot. going on in that's, Latvia. That's where how it got its yeah. name. Anyway, that's been, at least now my ambitions are 
I feel like I, I, I want no part of Belarus. No. But I mean, we all agree. Yeah. yeah. Belarus still has a KGB. Yeah. Stay out of Belarus. Get you. Uh, we, uh, so, okay, I'm not going to take over John's Twitter, but if I do, I will be at John Roderick on Twitter. He's at John Roderick on Instagram. That'll mm-hmm. be a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, uh, email us at the omnibus project at gmail.com. For physical items, those did not travel over email. We had not invented matter transference devices in our era. You had to send those through the post, mm. uh, and people would send us interesting things. This was in the mailbox the other day, Andrew from uh, from Ypsilanti, and he gave us a pronunciation of Ypsilanti. Hello, Andrew from Ypsilanti. Which is very helpful, and he thinks we're idiots. I would have said Ypsilanti just to drive him crazy. Uh, it's uh, named for a Greek revolutionary of some kind, I believe. Hmm. I don't know why it starts with an Upsilon, but it does. Uh, he sent us a collector's coin with Franklin Pierce on it. Really? Uh, there must Not have... Benjamin Franklin Pierce. <laughs> yeah, it has Hawkeye. <laughs> let me, let me see it. He's complaining about the Korean War. I he... know a little bit about uh, American numismatism, and I don't believe that this is a real... Uh, that is like, not specie? This is not a negotiable no, currency. No, it must have been from some children's collector's set, but I love that it still has Franklin Pierce. And read the back. It's got a lot of interesting facts about President Pierce. 14th president of the USA, Franklin Pierce. Franklin Pierce is interesting because his initials are also the initials of 14th president, which is convenient. Interesting. That's why I've liked wanted to be a kangaroo juggler. Poor Pierce. Yeah, it says his nickname is Poor Pierce. Fires of Civil War Lighter. What? Yeah, exactly. Fires his, of Civil War his Lighter. His famous nickname, Fires of Civil War Lighter. <laughs> we all remember that, don't we, folks? He was a congressman, a senator. He was a brigadier general during the Mexican War. The next one is a real devastating own. He was more ability as soldier than president. <laughs> More ability as soldier than president. It's, it's a grammatically uh, suspect coin. Why would you put that on a coin? Yeah. Wh- and then he minted these himself too. It's and, weird. And then it says down here at the bottom, um, favored slavery until uh, outbreak of civil war. So uh, basically a late adopter of anti-slavery. <laughs> that is pretty fun that they're not going to let him coast. Favorite well, slavery until the Civil War. It would be like... Uh, better soldier than he was a president. <laughs> Poor Pierce. <laughs> so, so thank you for this passive-aggressive collector's coin. This really dogs him. Maybe the better presidents have nicer things to say. I guess so. But it would be funny if the whole series was like kind of mean <laughs> things about the presidents. <laughs> James Madison, super short. James Monroe, weird hair, bad skin. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, couldn't walk. (laughs) Also, Jim uh, from Singapore sent us a copy of a a game he and his friend made, and it's a beautifully packaged, professional-looking, shrink-wrapped game. Oh, it's called Muzo. Called Muzo. That's you and me. We're Muzos. In what way are we Muzos? Well, we sit and talk about music and are like into... I thought it was because we talked about moose. Into little bands. Into into obscure bands, rather not little. Like from here, it clearly says Muzo, but the when you turn the thing the way it's gonna s- stand, doesn't it look like it a says Muno? It says Muno. The Z turns into an N. It's huh. a weird thing. It's a party game for music lovers. That's kind of uh, music streaming based. I guess you you uh, involve your Spotify in the game. It, it, like, it could like be like DVD name games. that tune. You, you put it on and it plays two notes. Kind of, like, but it's more like a, it's a conversation starter. It looks like, you know, you, you the cards prompt you to name your favorite one-hit wonder or whatever. And oh. then it's uh, it seems like it's maybe a non-competitive kind of party game. My favorite one-hit wonder is Harvey Danger, a band that I was in. Everything that I mention on this show is some form of self-promotion. And I hope you go buy my records at bandcamp.com. That's the Western State Hurricanes at Bandcamp.com. You really should uh, get the Western State Hurricanes album if it's still available on vinyl in your era. Um, But it will be available digitally at Bandcamp.com. Western State Hurricanes. Would you rather people get a a physical copy or not? I would. I think if you are a vinyl person, there probably are still a a small number of vinyls available. Is it a vinyl countdown? Uh, It's the... (laughs) Wow. Wow. Was that there the whole time, or did that just? Sometimes your your word play stuns me, irritates you. Well, this is nice that we now have a Singaporean board game from Jim, or a Singaporean Sing- man, made in Singapore game. to be played anywhere. So people send us interesting things, and mm-hmm. you can as well at PO Box five five seven four four Shoreline Washington 
98155. Don't go to any trouble, but uh, please send us your uh, coins dissing 19th century presidents. Go to some um, trouble is what I think. If you want to send us actual coinage, you can do that at our Patreon, patreon.com slash omnibusproject. Virtual coinage. You don't think they can actually send in rolls of, of quarters? No, send that to our P.O. box. Send rolls of quarters to our P.O. box. Send the pretend money that we all agree to use as currency. Normally, you go to the bank once a week and get a roll of quarters. Instead of doing that, pour that money into your Patreon uh, and help support the show. It, it makes sure it keeps Omnibus going. So we, I mean, we've only covered, this was the 250th entry in the Omnibus, hey! John. We are a quarter of the way. If there's only a thousand things we are going to do. We are a quarter of the way there, but I think there might be more than a thousand things in the universe. Hip-hop, hooray! Ho! Hey! So if you'd like us to get to 1,000, one way to contribute is to go to our Patreon, and uh, you benefit as well with bonus episodes and other content and perks. Uh, Patreon.com slash Omnibus Project. Is there anything else I didn't say? I did the email address. I did this. Oh, there's a there's a subreddit and there's a Facebook fan group for futurelings. There's even a Discord. Um, so many opportunities to get involved and waste a ton of time. Teens are making videos on Kick about us. Gwyneth Paltrow is making candles that smell like us on Goop. Mm. Futurelings from our vantage point in your distant past, while Ken and I are still alive and have yet to be decomposed. Or, in my case, live forever. You've done a lot more composing than I have. That's true. But you could recompose. What could I recompose? You could recompost. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, We have no idea how long our civilization survived and uh, when the mass die-off came, what we did with the bodies. But we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. But if providence allows... We hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.